So we've talked about a lot of things. And um, I just want to do some recap. I know that whenever I listen to things or I go to places or I listen uh, to people or conferences or whatever, I almost never get a, a sufficient enough of information the first time around. It never happens. It just never does. So I usually, what I typically do is I go back and listen two, three times. Just kind of just drawing things out. Just drawing things out. Which makes a lot of sense. I mean, if somebody has really been in the presence of the Lord just praying, uh, just giving over his heart and his time to God and asked for God to speak through him, and if that's been happening, or her, and it's been happening for a week, chances are that whenever they do speak, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. And our natural ears can only handle so much. We can get just distracted so easily or pick up on things, whatever happens. So we're going to do a quick recap. So here's some of the things we talked about. You look in your bulletin. So here's, here's some of the stuff we talked about. And if you missed any of it, you've got to go back and check it out online because there's no way we could cover it today. So is becoming a Christian the same as being baptized with the Holy Spirit? That was one thing that we covered that's pretty significant. It's pretty important. Because a lot of people think that when uh, we become Christian, we give our hearts and lives over to God, when the Holy Spirit comes and resides, some people would call that a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we talked a lot about that. So if you missed that Sunday or you forget about it, go check it out. Right? Next one we covered are spiritual gifts for today's Christians. Spiritual gifts. So things like word of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophetic words, uh, tongues, healings, all of these things. And there's a significant part of the church body that feels like they are not for today. And so we talked a lot about that. Um, you want to check that out. Um, tongues, that's always a big one. It's always a big one. And the reason why it's always a big one is because uh, there's a significant part of the body of Christ where they were really founded on this spiritual gift of tongues. And it's so closely related to that particular part of the church body that any time spiritual gifts comes up, like that's the next thing in line of what people want to talk about. And we talked a lot about that, especially last week, because we covered a lot last week in 1 Corinthians 14 there, which we're going to finish up today. And Paul, I mean, he really was like, listen, like, it's good, and there's some value and merit to it, and it's, it can be other languages and things like this, but listen, get prophecy. Get interpretation of tongues. Like, do that stuff really well. And so tongues automatically like, fell third place. And then he really, Paul really pushed prophetic words that can help build up, edify the church. Um, and tongues is a tough one, because... It's difficult. So if I just if I just start saying things, who's gonna say? No, no, it's not. It's not. Who's gonna police that? You can't. And then even if you could, how could you prove it? Unless an interpretation happens, then it's really difficult to go against it. So. Is it always, all the time, working rightly and effectively? Probably not. Does that mean we just throw it out? <laughs> no way! We stay on it. Because there's a wealth 
of a supernatural ability to grow and edify people in the church. And there's a wealth there where God can demonstrate who He is supernaturally through it. And by no means do I want to get rid of that because I'm afraid it might get abused. No way. Um, so we talked a lot about that. You've got to listen to that one. Um, some biblical purposes of spiritual gifts. Because a lot of times the people that feel like spiritual gifts are done, that there's really not much of a need, they say, well, why do we need it? Why do we need it? We have Jesus Christ. We have the Bible, the Scripture. We know that we're supposed to love people. We know that we're supposed to lead them to Jesus Christ. Have them commit their lives to Him and be saved. What do we need the gifts for for that? We know all these things we have to do. And let's be honest, we all are growing in those areas and we need work. We're developing. So the thought process goes, why do we need it? And really, it's not a great question. It's a manipulated question. The question really is, is it available? It's not, it's not a need question, it's an availability question. So like biblically, did God say, hey, listen, this stuff is off the table. We don't need it. That's really the question. And so that's why we've got to go back to the Bible. Say Bible. Bible. Yes, you need to know your Bibles. You need to know the Scripture. Like, what does it say? What does the Bible, not what does Jared say about it, or Pastor so-and-so, or whoever. What does God actually say? He's got something in mind when He brings spiritual gifts into the picture. When He brings His Spirit into the church, into a believer's life, it's not to lay dormant and be very quiet. So then if that's not the case, then what's the deal? Glad you asked. That's why we talk about it. And that's why you got to hear from it. Got to. And there's lots of value in hearing from other people, hearing other sermons, hearing other videos, hearing other, reading other, other studies. It's great. And it helps, but it only gets us as believers partly there. Because all of that is secondhand information. Doesn't mean we just throw it out, because God can still speak through other people, obviously. But it means that when we are alone with our Father and we are in relationship with Him and intimacy is there, He, he directly communicates to our hearts. He speaks it. And it's so much better than any sermon you will ever listen to, any video you will ever watch, any article you'll ever read. Because it's always about relationship. Always about relationship. God still uses us together, absolutely. But we want primary information channel, not secondary. Too many Christians live off of secondary information and think that's the Christian life. This is what they said, that's what they do, and so that sounds pretty good, and I kind of like it. So I want to like be over there, <laughs> on their team, kind of. It's like, no, this is God's team. It's His team. And sure, there could be awesome, positive, great things going on over there. But like we've been talking about so much, the entire purpose of the gifts was so that He can shine through us and have His way. Not so that we can find our team. And not so that we can find our identity or feel better about ourselves or feel more significant. It'll always get us into trouble. It was never the point. So biblical uh, purposes of spiritual gifts. Just quick snapshots. You've got to go back and listen. The common good, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. 
That's one like clear uh, biblical passage where God says, hey, listen, for spiritual gifts, it's for the common good, for everybody. Is it for one person to just consume? No, for common good. Edify the church. First Corinthians, I put the passages there. Look at the last one. Repentance. Spiritual gifts is a big part of the repentance process. Say repentance. Spiritual gifts, when used rightly and healthily, is a significant part of somebody turning over their life to Jesus Christ and saying, I give you all of me. Most people don't know it that way. Most of us know it as the next show or next interesting thing that might happen. Because a lot of times it's supernatural, and there's truth to that. But man, when it's flowing and going really well, people just bear themselves to God. Oh, I know you're real. I know that you are real now. And that's uh, like part of what we read last week in 1 Corinthians 14. Look at verse 24. It says, But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, look at it, it's a spiritual gift, prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all. And the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. That's the way it's supposed to go down. It's a good thing. Like, you wouldn't even have to give us a salvation message or invitation. Would you like to respond to Jesus today? And that's okay. Like, we could do that. You know, it's totally fine, and we should. But the purpose, but the point being is that when God shows up, He just shows up in powerful ways, and He'll just move, and people just want to respond. Sometimes they don't even need an invitation. They just have to be around it. It is my heart's prayer and continues to be that our church would grow and we would have a culture when people are just around it, they're just affected. To whatever capacity, I don't know. But I want them to be affected and infected. That'd be the best. That'd be the best. I want to be affected by it. And there's countless books and stories just throughout the ages of people in churches and people at meetings where there was no uh, purposeful intention to do something. They were just around the moment and things happened to people. It's just powerful. Just even in our own state, here in Connecticut, you have Jonathan Edwards, who, by the way, was a very boring preacher. I mean, the guy typed everything. He read it all. He stood on his... They, they had the fancy churches. He st- and he just read it. And then during one of the ones that he gave in Enfield people just started shrieking and crying out to God. You don't need a lot of hoopla. We don't need it. But at the same time, when the Spirit comes up, sometimes He gets crazy. And sometimes we get crazy. So it doesn't always come down to just one formula, one way. Um, so common good, edifying the church, repentance. Look at this. The greatest way comes from love. I mean, right in the middle of all spiritual gifting talk is the chapter on love, read at every wedding. He's saying, Paul says, this is the most excellent way. It's got to be there. It's got to be there. When it's not there, there's problems. Like we talked about, people start to get identity from what, how God can use them instead of they're just a son or a daughter. We shouldn't feel better about ourselves when God can use us in more creative and impactful ways. If we do, that's automatically a sign 
that our identity is in the wrong place. Because we're son or daughter first. We could be excited, like, oh, God, that's so cool. But not like, oh, man, I hope it happens next time so I can feel better. All right. Uh, so that was like biblical purposes of spiritual gifts. Why are they even there? For the common good, to build up the church, to lead to repentance. So that way love is happening. Um, individual, just for a person, so just for myself, for yourself. Uh, they work, spiritual gifts work in different ways in different people. Works in different ways in different people. Um, so, you know, spiritual gift of uh, prophecy, spiritual gift of words of knowledge, of words of wisdom, um, where things are just given by God about other people, about other situation. And most of the time, these people don't know other people. It can just work in different ways. It just works in different ways with people. Um, you know, I was reading about a guy last week, you know, the way that his word of knowledge works. He doesn't really uh, get exactly what's going on. He gets like a, 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 like a, um, a pain or a tinging, tingling like in his wrist, his left wrist. How do you figure that out? I don't even know, like, my left wrist is feeling odd right now. And then he knows, like, the spirit, I guess, is working uh, to communicate something through him. And most times it works out. But then we read a guy last week where he's talking, if you remember this, read last week, he was taught in the middle of a message, and he's got alphabet soup going on up here. And then he just goes and talks to a guy, and prays over him, and then the guy just lays out for five hours. And they're like, what is that? It's the Spirit just moving in different ways in different people. That's what happens. Uh, God gives as he determines. So he just releases things in different ways to different people. He's the giver of them. Look at this. Eagerly desire them. Three places. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Three places. And we talked about talked last week about this eagerly desiring. It's a good thing to be like thinking about it. Oh, God, I want to have that working and in my life. I want to have to be a part of who I am, a significant part. I want you to be able to work through me in this way. So when you read about spiritual gifts and you see this, I would greatly encourage you to say, Lord, I want you to show your love in and through my life for others. Do it that way. Um, I gave Loretta, Julie's mom, a hard time last week. She uh, found me after service. She goes, you know, um, it is all about eagerly desiring. I said, yeah, I said, definitely. She goes, you know, you have to continue to sometimes seek God on it. You might ask 20 times and you might not hear nothing. She goes, but you got to continue sometimes. It might not happen. I said, yeah, definitely true. And uh, she's like, you know, I prayed for whatever spiritual gift it was for two years. She was just stuck on this spiritual gift, whatever, whatever which one it was. Two years. Um, and then she had breakthrough on it. She was just sitting in church during a worship time one time. And then uh, stuff just started happening. What she was praying for. Two years. You know, so eagerly desire, yeah. And then just keep asking. He's a good father and he wants to give gifts. I mean, that's what he wants to do. Alrighty, so let's just close up here then um, with our passage. Paul's going to close up this whole thing on spiritual gifts and spirit-filled like living and church working and all that. So 1 Corinthians uh, 14, 26. 
What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. So here's what he's saying. Listen, when you guys show up, um, everybody's trying to do everything. Somebody's got a song here, a word of instruction there, a prophetic word there, a tongue going on here. Like they would just show up and it's just, it's just like, oh, Verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, two, or at the most three, should speak. One at a time, and someone must interpret. So when he's saying there's a corporate usage of tongues, because there's a private usage as well, which we read about last week. Privately, Paul said, he said, hey, I'm saying things I don't even know. My mind's unfruitful is what he said. He said, I'm saying things that are coming out of my mouth. My mind is totally unfruitful but I'm pouring out a language to God that he's given. Privately, totally legal. And then he said, for those that do that and operate in that gift, they should also be praying and asking for an interpretation of that so their mind could be fruitful. Paul says that. Individually. Corporately as a whole, saying, hey, listen, you come together, that's fine. You got some people that have some kind of message in tongue, some other language. Give them the floor. Let them go for it. But try and also make sure there's an interpretation there of some kind. Have that happen. I look forward to the day where I can just like, you know, we'll be in church and be like, hey, mm, I feel like, or somebody would just be like, hey, I got a message and it's not in English. (laughs) But I think I'm supposed to say it. I look forward to that day. I look forward to that day. I eagerly look forward to that day. That's just like a good sign on a lot of fronts. Um, the most significant one that, that I'm most looking forward to, that just shows a real freedom within the person. Because Steve brought up this issue of vulnerability. Uh, then there's other issues of uh, pride and self-esteem and fear. Right? All these things come in there. If somebody were to just say, I got something to say, it's not in English. And what if it's the first one, the first person that does it? It's never done it in our church before, and it's not going to be in English, and so I don't know. I, I, I'm at least, I'll be kind of uncertain about it too. And it could totally backfire, fine. But there's a big part of me that's like, wow, they're willing to step out there though. Seems like this is more about what's going on than about them. I'd get scarier if someone's really pressing on me. We've got to do this, you've got to do this. You gotta. I'm get a little weary about that, which we'll talk more about that in a minute. So if anyone speaks in a tongue, two at the most three should speak. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. That's a, that's a hard one to wrestle with. So somehow beforehand, it sounds like Paul's implying that they would know who the interpreters are among the group. Because how, how can you say, hey, you know, let's have so-and-so get up and say whatever they're going to say and have the interpreter step in and not know who they are. How, how does that work? Um, so it brings up an interesting question. You know, so should people only speak in tongues in a church if the spiritual gift of interpretation is identified among a person or a group of people? It's an interesting question. I'm not quite sure where I'd fall on that. I'd say there's probably value in it. 
But at the same time, um, sometimes his gift just shows up in the moment. So if somebody were to even just right now just stand up and just have a message in tongues for us, I personally am willing to roll the dice if an interpreter steps up or not. I don't want to roll the dice for four years straight and have craziness happen. But like occasionally in the right way during the correct kind of situation. You hear what I'm saying? So like there's... Absolutely, yes. And so that's my point too. Should we only wait until we have a surely identified person? Like, ah, there's some value there, but I, I would hate to like negate that process of happening. It'd be horrible. And uh, I think I would give huge amounts of glory to God. Huge amounts. Um, and that's what I've been praying for for a long time. It hasn't happened yet, but I continue to pray. Interpretation of tongues, like that's what I'm sitting on and I'm wrestling on with. Hasn't happened yet. I don't know what his delay is. He probably doesn't have good enough reasons, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's one. You know, that's one I'm wrestling with him on. Um, let's see here. It's interesting, too, like as you think about me, and I've been reading throughout these past weeks, the tongues issue was like one Paul talked about a lot. It seems like the tongues thing was like a problem. They were having issues with handling. Not that it was wrong in and of itself as a gift but it just is getting carried out in funky ways, which is interesting. And it still happens like today. Here's the next one, verse 29. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. That's interesting. So imagine a church service. Maybe there's a hymn or something going on. Maybe somebody comes up speaking in tongues and somebody interprets. Then maybe a prophetic word. Somebody's like, I have something encouraging to share. Something that's going on. Um, and don't be afraid of the title prophetic, by the way. Some people it freaks them out. I don't, I don't know if I call it prophetic. I, I like the humility behind that. I like it. And I think that's good. But at the same time, um, there's a certain part of that humility that should also like, include a confidence that God will speak through us and use us. Don't ever think like, you're not good enough that God won't speak through you because you're not smart enough or whatever. That's the opposite of humility. That's a totally distorted form of pride where it puts us at the center. Totally distorted. God, of course, he chooses to work and use people that are complete. He says that he takes great joy in using people that are unqualified, that are unwise. He says that he likes to use um, the lack of wisdom in people in this world to shame the wisdom of this world. That's what he likes to do. Is that Judson? He gets knocked out during worship time almost every week. It's awesome. Um, no, <laughs> I know. I know it. Yeah, he's speaking in tongues. We need an interpreter? Quick. So then these prophets get up and they would share something. That, and then again, that scares people. I don't want the label, you know, I don't want to make a big deal on labels. But, and I'm with that. But at the same time, Paul, he, like, he uses labels. Like he calls people things. 
He says they're pastors. He says they're prophets. He calls them deacons and deaconesses. Like, he uses things. Should we get hung up on them? No. Can we use them and be okay with it? I hope so. I want to get there and be able to be able to do that. I think it's important. And then he says, hey, just because, you know, prophet, whoever, got up and said whatever, it's, it's interesting. It's not just truth because they said it. Look what he says. They should weigh carefully what is said. So just because somebody might have a strong inkling in a sharing, it doesn't just make it automatic truth. There's still room to say, mm, I'm weighing it. Maybe not jump to just no or just wrong or yes, definitely. There's definitely room for, and Paul encourages room for. I'm, I'm not done thinking about that yet. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. And I like that because that shows that there, there's no one in this room, no one on this globe, where they're like they're untouchable. They're a voice from God, and you cannot question them or weigh it carefully. We we we're all in the same boat. Like I was totally off on Rob and Diane. They're on a crew. <laughs> I mean, coming to church. I'm even in this state right now. I think God told me you should pray today. He's totally off. There used to be a part of me a long time ago that'd be like, "That's embarrassing." No, there's a big part of me now. Like that's totally freeing. Like, oh, good, that helps. Sometimes if I get a whole lot wrong, I get a lot closer to right. And when I'm not trying to preserve myself in the process, it's way easier. Way easier. And God wants to set a lot of you guys free of that as well. Man, just don't be afraid to get stuff wrong in the process. Don't be afraid to look stupid in the process. You're getting closer to right. That's really what's happening. It's not that you're looking dumber or whatever. Good word. Spoke to my heart. Um... Verse 30, and if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, hey, listen, if you're sitting down in the pews, you're not off the hook either. Church is meant to like, have some dynamics happening. The first speaker should stop. Wait, they can cut somebody off? I guess so. For you, now, like, you know, it shouldn't happen all the time, but there's a place for it. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. So why should they be prophesying? To be instructed and to be encouraged. To air out dirty laundry, to tell people where they did wrong? No, that's not the platform. It's not the time or the place. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. What is that? How did that show up? The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. What he's saying is that, listen, if you're going to speak in tongues, you're going to share some kind of prophetic word, some people would say, it's got to come out. Ugh. You can't control it. And what Paul is saying, like, no, you can. There's an element of control that can happen for sure. And it needs like, wisdom as far as when to do that. I mean, when is that person in the pew like, Man, I should cut them off and say something? Now. Like, that's hard. You know, how do you figure that out? It's difficult. This is hard stuff. 
It says, for God is not a God of disorder, but of, but of peace. And his main point, really, to writing all of this is like, listen, the church service, like, let's just have some order to it. Have some sort of structure in place. Not that it always has to be that way, but there should also be room for different things to happen. And honestly, the way that we're going to have church order is going to look very different than the church in Kenya that's on the village side, how they're going to have church order. We might show up and be like, this is crazy. Well, how can you even... I'm distracted the whole time. I can't hear anything. I don't know what to do. But to them, that's their order. They're fine with it. So who defines the order? Well, it's kind of the group that you're with. Kind of your family. It's like, whatever order kind of works for the family, then, okay, that will work. Okay, so here's a fun one all the women are going to love. I was super tempted to be like, okay, now we're done. All right. Uh, As in all the congregations of the saints, women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. Man, just say ouch. 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 That's an ouch. It's not sensitive. It's not sensitive. Um... Uh, if they, yeah, you know, yeah, what am I, yeah, I know, where do we jump off? Time to go home. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. All right, so we got to clear this up before we finish, right? I mean, we don't have to. (laughs) Guys, like, we're fine, let's just go. Football starting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So let me just say a couple words on this, okay? And um, uh, so here's what I'll also say. At the end of the day, do I have something that will make uh, everybody happy with the answer I'm about to give? Probably not. And do I also uh, feel like God has made it crystal clear as far as what's going on with the women here right now? No, definitely not. But I will give you, I promise you that, I'm going to refer back to another passage and I'm going to share, I think, what's happening in context and then I, I don't know how much that will help, but listen, I'm not a coward. I'm going to step in there. All right. So take a look at 1 Corinthians 11 real quick. 1 Corinthians 11. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 11, verse 5. Uh, and every woman who prays or prophesies their head uncovered dishonors her head as though uh, her head were shaved. Uh, if a woman does not cover her head, she should have her hair cut off. And if it is a disgraced woman to have her hair cut or shaved off, she should cover her head. Now, forget all the hair cover- head covering thing. Just think about the, p- the point in the beginning there. Every woman who prays or prophesies. So, wait a minute, Paul. You just said they should learn in submission. Sit in your pew and be quiet. But then, like a few chapters earlier... They're praying and prophesying. So what's the deal? Well, what is the deal? Um, later on also in First and Second Timothy, Paul totally gives the green light to women to pray, prophesy, and to also teach other women. So I think it's totally right and totally biblical for women to be praying and prophesying in church. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, so why would he say this? You know, that's a great question. Um, so most people, obviously this, the first grade in the church was pretty dysfunctional. Um, so they had issues with, you know, people, people sleeping with their stepmothers and um, people saying, like, who they were a part of. Um, people getting drunk and stuff during communion. Like, it was just it was a little crazy. The thought is that also the women in that church, like, were causing problems. They were very loud and boisterous, and they made their presence known. So Paul's way of handling was like, listen, that, that can't happen. We, we can't like be arguing the whole time at church. So he says, listen, in the case where they're married, you know, have them go home, talk to their husbands about it. <laughs> Outside of that answer, I don't really have much for you. I mean, there's definitely a place like, let's put some more back into perspective though. You know, in the Old Testament, you have a woman who led the entire nation of Israel led the entire nation, Deborah. She led the whole nation. This was before Jesus. Um, this was like uh, a little bit before the time of Egypt, you know, on the globe. This is a time when women had no value and no rights. You were property, basically. And God has one lead an entire nation. Um, also, throughout the New Testament, you have... Priscilla and Aquila, you have a head deaconess within the New Testament church where she helped to lead it. Um, you have women who are supposed to teach and admonish and encourage and grow up other women in the church. Older women, that's your role. I mean, that, that's the calling. And older women are at different places in life. I totally get that. But eventually, that's the call of the older women. Say to minister and to teach. Um, there definitely is this element of like, uh, male headship within the church but it's never at the cost or at the sacrifice of any female in any way, shape, or form. In fact, it's supposed to happen so that females can shine and flourish in a more exceptional way than they ever could before. It's the job of any pastor and leader, of course, to make people shine and understand who God is. But certainly... God wants to uphold and pour in and have wisdom poured out by women. It's a significant thing and it needs to happen. And Paul's like really clear about it. In this passage, he's not so clear. It's kind of annoying, actually. But when we get to heaven, we can ask about that. Hey, what? that was kind of harsh. What are you talking about? But that's what he said. And um, uh, so, yeah, I hope that there's maybe just a lot of commotion being brought on by the women. They weren't happy about stuff, you know, and... I don't know. Um, I don't know. So that's all I got for you on that. And um, let's finish up this passage then. So it says, Did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? If anybody thinks he is a prophet or spiritually gifted, let him acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. If he ignores this, he himself will be ignored. Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy and do not forget, forbid speaking in tongues. Well, that's important. So just don't stop it. Don't forbid it. But in everything, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And then as we're going to finish up 1 Corinthians, um, you know, within the next you know, few weeks or whatever, but then we're, he's pretty much done talking about spiritual things like within the church.
he's done talking about it. Um, so he talks about a lot of stuff, and we've been talking about a lot of stuff. And I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, and I pray that in some way, your heart has been stirred even more towards what the Spirit wants to do. Man or woman. Man or woman. He's choosing to speak, to move, to bring life, to bring healing, to bring encouragement through man, through woman. Men to men, woman to woman, man to woman, woman to man. It's not a good situation if it's always man and woman. There's a weird thing going on. We should guard against that for sure. And let me also say, like, if that stuff does happen, especially in our own church family, always, like, encourage a third party in there. Either somehow, some way. It's not a good situation to have just, like, a guy and a girl ministering to each other. There's got to be a third party present, you know, just talking about whatever. Hey, I'm talking with so-and-so, and would you mind coming? Or if it's a group te- a text, make it be a group text, you know, however. Um, one o'clock. All right. Yes. That's a good prophetic word, right? Yes. You gotta encourage Rob when you see him too, whenever they off the cruise or I don't know if Diane just went to friends or I don't know, but so we're gonna close on that note then. So Holy Spirit, we pray uh, that you would just be poured out among us. I pray that we wouldn't be too scared to just step out and um, take risk. It's your desire to work through us.
in supernatural ways, in ways that are uncomfortable, in ways typically we don't like to do, and you tend to go at a pace we don't like. You tend to go at a place that we're not comfortable with. I pray, Father, that we just be a group of people that's on the altar as much as we can be. That we live from the cross. I thank you for the way that you're growing us and shaping us and moving. And we ask you for more, and I thank you that we can. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.